Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg, live from the Paris of the New River Valley. I am joined remotely today by two men on the other sides of the Commonwealth. First, from Northern Virginia, we got Mike McDaniel. Mike, what's popping? Hey, what's going on? Got a lot to talk about today. That we do. Ricky LeBlue, excited for this one, I see. How's the 7-5 treating you? Uh, it's very humid, which is making me extra angsty i'm very fired up for this podcast we got plenty to cover regarding the Hokies lost in chapel hill on saturday but first i want to tell you guys that the Hokie hangover podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at main street pharmacy in downtown blacksburg main street pharmacy is the number one pharmacy in the nrv if you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you and isn't just some giant corporate conglomerate look no further than main street pharmacy dr jeremy counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need well the hokies had a big top 10 matchup on saturday in chapel hill it is one that the team and and the fan base have been looking forward to for quite some time, especially following that six overtime thriller last year where the Hokies emerged victorious. The result this time, not so favorable. Virginia Tech falls by a score, a whopping 56 to 45. The Hokies fell behind 21, nothing early and Despite a couple of valiant attempts to come back in the game in an offense that certainly showed promise in the final three quarters, it wasn't enough to get it done. They lose by 11. UNC rushes for over 400 yards. Sam Howell, 257 yards in the air and three touchdowns. On the other side of things, it was two quarterback show that Let's be honest, most of the show was last year's starter, Hendon Hooker. He comes in, and the Hokies offense picks up more than, like, twice as many yards for completion for Hendon. Much better QBR. The offense clearly moving much better with him. I think that last week, when we talked to you, Mike, and you posted something on Sons of Saturday about how Virginia Tech could lose this game, and one of the points you brought up is that the Hokies would to defend North Carolina's running backs, Michael Carter. And I guess also Javante Williams, they both went off 169 yards on the ground for Javante Williams, Michael Carter with 214 for himself. If we thought the Hokies were running the ball well in the first couple of games, this was an absolute clinic. 
very questionable play by, by the front seven, one might say, Mike. What, what was your reaction? What didn't this group do correctly? Why couldn't they stop this? I mean, I, th- I think the, um, the number one thing that I saw was poor play out of the linebacking core. Um, run fits were a total disaster in this game. And against an offense as balanced as North Carolina, what you need to have is sound fundamentals defensively. And with so many guys rotating in and out in the secondary, it became even more paramount to stop the run in this football game. And something, honestly, like through the first couple of games that Virginia Tech has played, it's been kind of up and down. Um, it's not like teams have popped off against them running the football. Like NC State ran for 139 yards, for example, but only averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Um, Duke ran the football a bit more efficiently um, in the game last week, but it just didn't feel like Tech, even in those two games where the running game of the, of the opposition wasn't necessarily like a major problem, it still felt like defensively there were some missed tackles or some missed assignments. And there were issues that you could chalk up to A, like backup starting everywhere, but B, not having your coaches in the room 100% of the time, which is something that Virginia Tech has dealt with. They've been rotating defensive coordinators, obviously, with Justin Hamilton in quarantine and Ryan Smith went into quarantine after the NC state game and Jack Tyler was calling the plays and then he was unavailable for Duke. So, uh, you know, it, it was just like one of those things where like, it just seemed like depth and lack of depth caught up to them. Number one, not even from the standpoint of just like players being out because Virginia tech had all but two starters play um, in this game on Saturday defensively. But I think it was almost like, lack of practice time being able to practice the fundamentals of tackling and knowing your run fits it was apparent that guys missing practices and guys being unable to participate really caught up with them against one of the best offenses on the schedule it was a really poor performance i was surprised by it um, but i wasn't totally shocked by it and the reason why i can say that is just because when you have that many people rotating in and out and not practicing and in quarantine and out of quarantine and you don't know really who's going to be available. Um, it can cause stress to the defensive coaching staff, number one. But number two, like these guys aren't necessarily going to be in the best game shape possible. And it's something that a lot of programs have dealt with here in the offseason. Um, but it's something that Virginia Tech ran up against um, with an opponent in North Carolina that was essentially at full strength offensively. And even though it was good to see a lot of Virginia Tech's starting unit back on the field defensively, it was clear that guys like Alan Tisdale, who played well against NC State but missed the Duke game, um, he didn't play well, obviously, in this game. The, the front four, who's, you know, the defensive line's been present outside Deshaun Crawford um, for most of the season so far. They've been pretty healthy. They were totally taken out of this game. Um, North Carolina's offensive line, I thought, did a really good job just kind of negating the pass rush, number one, but also opening up massive holes for the North Carolina running backs. So it was a really strong performance by North Carolina offensively. And Virginia Tech, I mean, truthfully, they couldn't have played much worse in the front seven. And they really missed Divine Diablo at the back end of the defense because he's been known to um, be able to clean up the mess if a guy breaks loose in the secondary. And when it's Tyler Matheny or J.R. Walker back there, guys just haven't played a ton of time in the secondary for Virginia Tech. That's when you really miss having a guy at the back end of the defense to be able to corral things and not having Diablo killed them because the front seven played so poorly on Saturday. Yeah, Ricky, I mean, again, not having Diablo being so, I mean, basically just stripped down to the bone in terms of the depth chart on that defensive back group, that hurts. But 
you've told me that you don't really care that much about that. The front seven, mostly intact, getting pushed off the ball, the linebackers unable to make plays. What are your thoughts about the defense's performance as a whole? If if Virginia Tech had not been absolutely killed off the ball in this game, then I would be more open to listen to excuses about having to play backups at both safety positions. Um, but their their lack of, of talent and depth at defensive back had almost nothing to do with the reason they lost this game. They lost this game because the front four got – absolutely blown off the ball. There are linebackers, including Rayshard Ashby, who I've been a really staunch supporter of, and I absolutely love how good he's been in Blacksburg. But Ashby, Hollifield, Tisdale, out of position all the time. I mean, they were, they were running themselves out of plays. So not only were they getting blocked out of plays, but when they weren't getting blocked out of plays, they were running themselves out of plays. So... I'm not, I'm not really here for the excuse that Virginia Tech is missing guys in the secondary when the main reason they lost this game is because the front six were so bad. And I, I am pretty shocked by that. I understand that Carolina had a pretty efficient running attack coming into this game, but we had seen relatively solid play from the defensive four, from the, from the front four. The linebacker is a big kind of iffy, but you always can bet on Rayshard Ashby to be pretty good there in the middle and they just weren't all all six of those guys struggled in this game and they struggled mightily and that was apparent from the first drive so i i understand that having not having those guys on the back end can make a difference in terms of big plays breaking open or or, or guys f- filling run fits on the outside um but I'm not really going to listen to it when the main issue that the main reason Tech lost this game was because their front six played so poorly. Now, when you look at Virginia Tech, and one thing I want to see what your opinion is here, the health of Rayshard Ashby in the offseason, the health of Tisdale. We talk about lack of practice and how much repetition factors into a football team's ability to be in position, make plays. Do you think that perhaps fatigue from COVID, the lack of practice, I mean, is this kind of a worst possible case scenario example of that? Because I just can't think of any reasonable explanation that Rayshard Ashby and Dax Hollyfield have suddenly gotten worse. I mean, it might play a small role, but it wasn't a big issue in the first two games. So why why is it all why is all of a sudden a conditioning a problem now i mean when they put nc state's offense in a box for basically three and a half quarters we weren't talking about conditioning when when they made chase bryce look like a division two quarterback we weren't talking about conditioning but all of a sudden virginia tech's defense gets whipped up and down the field for to the tune of 656 yards of offense and now we want to talk about conditioning. I, I mean, I would argue that conditioning was a factor in the Duke game on the at, at the end. I mean, Duke scored. I'm gonna yeah, 17 points in the fourth I'm, quarter. They I'm, looked gassed. I mean, the good thing Virginia Tech had going for in that game is Duke also looked gassed. 
Yeah, I'm going to push back on that a little bit too, only because I think North Carolina is the most up-tempo offense Virginia Tech's played. And, I don't think it was that apparent in those two fine. games, conditioning-wise. And, and, and that's fine, but I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and come up with excuses for why this defense played bad. I'm just going to say that they played bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm not making excuses either, but I think that conditioning in this game was a factor um, defensively. I mean... Look, North Carolina's offense was on the field a ton in the first half, and Virginia Tech's defense struggled with the tempo that North Carolina had offensively. That was clear. and It's clear guys were getting tired. Linebacking core, I mean, Alan Tisdale didn't play last week, and he was in quarantine until late last week. They weren't even sure if they were going to have him for this game. Um, a lot of guys in the secondary hadn't practiced, but secondary, again, wasn't the issue. The, the biggest problem defensively for Virginia Tech I totally agree with you, Ricky, was up front. Like, defensive line, blown off the ball. There's no excuse for that. Um, the linebacking core hasn't been very good all year. Like, Dax Hollyfield has not been good. Um, he has, he has regressed, Ashby, and he already hadn't reached the point that Tech had hoped that he would reach. Agree. Yeah. Like, he hasn't been very good. Rayshard Ashby has really just kind of been okay. Yeah. Um, and then I thought Tisdale was pretty good against NC State and then obviously didn't play against Duke and then didn't play well at all on Saturday against North Carolina. So the, the issues for Virginia Tech in this game were in the front six, sometimes seven when they add a third linebacker on the field, which was rare, but it did happen a few different times in this game. Um, the issues were up front. And, and Virginia Tech, I was surprised because North Carolina has a good offensive line, but it was surprising to just even see the missed tackles and just poor run run fits. The tackling was awful. Level the I mean, it the was tackling was real bad. I, I I haven't seen Tech tackle that poorly since 2018 Pitt, and that was a game that got brought up a lot during the game and after the game because they looked eerily similar. I mean, that in that game Virginia Tech was a lot worse of a football team. Let's be honest and Pitt wasn't very good, and Pitt was just absolutely mauling Virginia Tech. And in this instance, you have a Tech team that should be better, but you have a Carolina team that is apparently pretty damn good, and they got mauled again. And it was in the same fashion in that North Carolina dictated this football game from start to finish, and they did so by winning up front, and they did so by absolutely running it down Virginia Tech's throat. And I would have expected Carol, the majority of Carolina's offense to come through the air, given all of the problems that Virginia Tech has had in the secondary. And don't get me wrong, Virginia Tech's secondary blew a couple plays. I mean, Jermaine Waller got beat at least once for a touchdown. Um, we saw the secondary struggle multiple times. And I'm more willing to, to accept that because of the problems that they've had. But this front six has largely been undisturbed due to COVID. And yet they played the worst out of the group. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, when we talk about North Carolina, we talked about how their balance as an offense when it's rolling is just, it's very scary and why they get the hype that they do. Well, they were able to run the ball at will. And because of that, they were able to give Sam Howell opportunities to not get a lot of pressure on him because they were worried about the run. And, and Virginia Tech just simply didn't get into the North Carolina backfield. I mean, only three tackles for loss in the entire game. We, we saw how successful Virginia Tech had been 
you know, with Emmanuel Belmar, with Justice Reed in the first two games. And that just wasn't a thing here against North Carolina. Now, going to what happened on the other side of the ball, though, Virginia Tech comes out and, you know, immediately falls into a 21-0 hole. Braxton Burmeister goes out as the starter. He's able to get 14 points in a couple of drives in a row. Well, actually, it was Burmeister, touchdown, switched in Hooker, who went three and out, back to Burmeister, who scored another touchdown, and then back to Burmeister, or didn't score the touchdown, but led the drive. It all seemed very confusing to me, but ultimately, I think anyone who watched that game could say, Hendon Hooker's your guy. And, you know, Braxton Burmeister might have a, a slight edge in running the option game, but that edge isn't big enough in that to make up for the fact that Hendon Hooker runs a more balanced offense, and we have seen him time and time again be successful doing it. Mike, what was your thoughts on uh, Burmeister being the starter to go uh, on Saturday? I mean, I think looking back on it, Hooker should have been the starter. I think it's easy to say that now after the way that Hooker played relative to Burmeister, but I honestly don't have too much of a problem with Burmeister starting. I thought they would have worked Hooker in a little bit earlier than they did. Um, I think bringing him in the middle of the second quarter um, randomly for a drive um, before kind of pulling him and putting Burmeister back on the field was questionable. I didn't necessarily agree with that. Um, I, I didn't think Burmeister was the problem offensively. Um, there were two drop passes in the first quarter that should have been caught. Um, but it was clear that the offense was much better and much more efficient with Hendon Hooker in the game. And that's something that we had, we had talked about on this podcast multiple times, like Hooker should be the starter. And there's a reason why, because he is the best passer on the team. And he's the guy who can clearly um, add more balance to this Virginia tech offense. Um, Burmeister's strengths have been in the read option game um, where he's, He's been running the read option very well. I, I'd say that's the strength of Burmeister's game. The issue is that through the air, passing the football, he has not been very efficient at all. He's missed guys. Um, it's been very up and down in the passing game with Braxton Burmeister at quarterback. So I think in hindsight with the way that Hooker played, and even just going back to last year with how Hooker looked and how the season turned once he was inserted in the Miami game after that blowout loss at home to Duke, it was clear that Hooker should have been the starter in this football game. Now, I, I don't think that's as big of an issue to me um, with the offense is not getting Khalil Herbert involved earlier. Um, he only had a handful of touches in the first half. He's statistically the best running back in college football right now. Um, he's a guy who obviously was a big reason why Virginia Tech came back in this football game, breaking loose a couple times for long games and obviously that long touchdown run that he had. And he's been outstanding. Um, he's coming off of a 200-yard game. He set the Virginia Tech record for all-purpose yards against Duke last week. I, I was surprised that he wasn't as involved early on in the game. Um, that was the bigger issue that I had offensively. I, I don't think that starting Braxton Burmeister was as big of an issue as not giving the ball to Khalil Herbert more. I think that was a bigger reason why Virginia Tech's offense struggled in the, in the first quarter and a half or so. Um, but again, I mean, Tech gets back into the ball game twice here. They're down 21 nothing. They score 14 unanswered points in the second quarter to get right back in it, um, cut it to 21-14, and then the defense just couldn't get a stop. I mean, the, the front seven just didn't tackle Duke's, or North Carolina, excuse me, scores twice before halftime in the last four minutes. That absolutely killed the Virginia Tech momentum. And then Tech crawls back in again. They steal a possession in the second half off of Brian Johnson onside kick. Um, obviously, they had the 23 unanswered points in the third quarter. 
um, to cut to 42-37. And Tech had their chances in this game despite the poor defensive performance. Um, and a lot of that second half production obviously had to do with Hendon Hooker at quarterback. So Justin Fuente um, this afternoon, as we record this on Monday, um, he named Hendon Hooker the starter against Boston College. Again, assuming that everything goes well with COVID testing this week. Um, which I think is the right move. But the, the biggest issue to me offensively wasn't the fact that Hendon Hooker didn't start the game. It was more that Hooker wasn't as involved early on in this game um, as, as I thought he could. I thought Tech could have worked him in a little bit earlier. But the, the biggest issue to me was not getting Khalil Herbert more involved offensively in the first half. Yeah, and I certainly agree. I think anyone who was watching that game figured it to be very head-scratching that Herbert wasn't involved. You kind of got to stick with what you're doing best. I don't think Burmeister is a bad quarterback, but I do think it's clear that this guy needs to be the starter going forward. And, I mean, this game was always going to be a shootout. I just don't think Braxton Burmeister is your ideal when you're trying to win a shootout. And I think it was pretty apparent early on in that football game that, this defense wasn't doing much to stop North Carolina. And by the time the offense really got going, it was too little too late. I mean, you can't allow a touchdown on all but three drives in a game. That's if you don't count the, uh, like, you know, when they basically need it out at the end. But Ricky, I, I think you were very critical of Justin Fuente's decision. Tell me why. All of the available evidence suggests that Hennon Hooker is the best quarterback on this team. And for the second straight week, Hennon Hooker was cleared by his head coach to play, and he wasn't the starting quarterback. Um, I, 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 I don't have a legitimate explanation for, for that reason. Um, and this goes to a greater issue that Virginia Tech has had off the field over the last two seasons, and that's that it's, it's become – absolutely impossible to call balls and strikes with this coaching staff. So if you, if, if you are going to give them praise and then also criticize them, both sides are coming at you, right? I mean, you have one side of the coin that is defending Justin Fuente to the teeth talking about how, Oh, well, Braxton Burmeister deserved to play. He was leading the running game. Virginia tech was two and no nonsense. Burmeister wasn't leading the running game. The running game is being led by a terrific offensive line and one of the best running backs in college football, a guy who is an ACC player of the year candidate. Okay. Khalil Herbert might give Travis Etienne a run for his money there. I'm obviously going to stick with Etienne, but Herbert's really, really good. Okay. Hooker was the third most efficient passer in the conference last year. And you're telling me that he isn't as good as a guy who has completed less than 50% of his passes in his last two games. I mean, come on. And then you have the other side of the coin, right? So there was this meme going around after the game. Uh, it was the picture of Justin Fuente and Hendon Hooker. And they were at practice. And Justin Fuente had a KKK hood on. And the meme caption was, when Justin Fuente is going through his quarterback evaluations. It is one of the most disgusting things you'll ever see ever. And it's, it, it's just, it, it blows my mind that we can't go through a season without having logical criticisms and praise of this coaching staff. So you've got one side of the coin that kills you 
every single time you criticize Justin Fuente and his coaching staff and what they do. And let's be honest, they've had plenty over the last couple of seasons to criticize about. And then you have the other side of the coin that is trying to throw race into this because Justin Fuente went with Ryan Willis last year over Hendon Hooker and then went with Braxton Burmeister over Hendon Hooker this year. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous. And it, it, it just blows my damn mind that we've gotten to this point where we're incapable of having a serious discussion about, about this football team, about this coaching staff, about the decisions they make. And we're incapable of having an honest, an honest discussion, an honest debate about this stuff. And it just kills me. It, it, it blows my damn mind. And I'm absolutely sick of it. And I'm actually pretty angry that it's gotten to this point. Because as a guy who talks about Virginia Tech football all the time, it's made my life pretty annoying sometimes. And Mike, I know you can attest to this. Andrew, I know you can attest to it too. It's impossible. How, how are we supposed to talk about this football team when you have one part of the fan base that will not let you criticize this coaching staff, that will not let you criticize these players, and then you have the other side of the fan base that wants to call the head coach a racist? Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to look at this game objectively and not see both positives and negatives. I mean, like on the bright side, we talked about Clear Herbert. He still has an 100-plus yard game, 138 yards. Khalil Herbert is a dude. Yeah. That guy is an absolute truck, okay? And yeah. he should be getting the football. And I don't understand why it's, un why it's unfair to criticize the, 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 the coaching staff for fooling around on offense when Khalil Herbert had two carries in the first quarter, two. Yeah. The best player on the offense had two touches in the first quarter. And that's obviously a very questionable decision. I mean, the offense still looked good overall, though. 45 points. I mean, that's something to smile about. We can look at this Virginia Tech offense and say they are dynamic when they are going. They can move the ball. And North Carolina was supposedly defensively a pretty good team against this North Carolina defense that hadn't allowed anyone to move the ball on them on the ground at all. Virginia Tech continued doing what they were doing before. But at the end of the day, you got to win the football game and 56 points defensively is just inexcusable. And I know there's problems. I know that the secondary was out, but <laughs> you had an opportunity to win that football game and the players on the field at the time just simply didn't do what they needed to do to win. They could not stop UNC from running the ball and that opened up everything and the Hokies had to go home with a loss that they didn't necessarily need to take. Everyone has a bad game. You can look at the positives, but you have to look at the product holistically. It doesn't make me terribly scared for what's going to happen going forward. Now, it certainly makes me a little bit more nervous. I can still take positives out of the game, but there were things that weren't criticism. I think, I think you're right there, Ricky. Yeah, I mean, I just, I need people to be rational. I need people to not get so defensive and touchy when you criticize the coaching staff. But on the, on the, on the flip side of that, people that criticize his coaching staff all the time, I need y'all to give credit to Justin Fuente and his players and his coaches when they deserve it. And I've tried to do that my hardest. I know I haven't been perfect at it. There's plenty of stuff on my Twitter feed, on my blog, stuff I've written in the past 
that was probably unfair and I'll own up to it, but I'm doing my best here. And it's, it's been impossible since 2018 to have rational conversations with a majority of the fan base. And it's, it's extremely frustrating, especially in a game like this, where you have controversial coaching decisions, you have bad performances from, from large sections of, the, of a particular side of the football, and you lose a game that is a rivalry game. Tech, Tech and UNC are rivals now. That There's no getting around that. Um, it's, it's exhausting, man. Mike, I want to hear your opinion on this. Give me an A to F grade on, on the coaching staff's performance overall this week. I mean, I think on offense, I mean, they scored 45 points and almost 500 yards of offense, but it wasn't perfect. I mean, I think Hendon Hooker probably should have started, like sitting here Monday morning quarterbacking it. Khalil Herbert definitely should have gotten more than a handful of carries in the first half, so I give him like a solid B-plus grade. Like Tech, even after this game against North Carolina um, on Saturday, like offensively, like we're, nit we're nitpicking a little, I guess, when once you put up 45 points and 500 yards of offense, but Tech is seventh in the country right now in yards per play. They're third among teams in the Power Five in points per game scored. Um, of course, that's with the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12 playing. We know what they do offensively in the Big 12. And shit, we know what we do, they're doing in the SEC this year because nobody's playing defense in that conference either. So Virginia Tech's got one of the best offenses in the country, no doubt about it. And it's only going to get better with Hendon Hooker. So I think offensively, they did a great job. Defensively, it's like a D, right? Like you got it's a couple F. three. You got, you got a couple three and outs in the second half when you needed to, um, and it got you back into the game as a result. But then you think about the couple stops they needed right before halftime didn't happen. You think about the fourth quarter um, when you're down, uh, when you're down five points and you just roll over defensively again. It just was a very poor performance by the front seven in the secondary. There's no doubt about it. And kudos to the team offensively for coming out in the second half with such a head of steam, a lot of teams would give up. But at the end of the day, that pass, the 43-yard touchdown to Deami Brown, I, that last one of those last plays of the, uh, the first half, I mean, that just absolutely sucked the life out of you. You were just three minutes of game time earlier, had cut the lead to seven, and you're going into the locker room down 21 again? I mean, it, it was just – that. that was – from a momentum standpoint, brutal. And, and I will say, good for the offense because think about how difficult it must be if you're Hendon Hooker, if you're that offensive line, you're going out there and giving everything you have and you're just back on the field with the same deficit every time because they can't make a stop. That it, It's very impressive that they were able to keep their heads up and keep going. And yes, the defense did make a stop once or twice when they needed to in the second half, but overall just a, a very poor performance defensively. And it's hard to overlook. But these yeah. And the one other thing too, is uh, the resiliency. I think of Virginia tech should be noted. It should be a credit to the coaching staff. Number one, like the first two weeks of the season, the fact that they were able to even suit up, let alone go out and win the game, I think is a testament to the coaching staff and the players and the fact that tech, you know, got kicked in the teeth two different occasions in this game, down multiple scores and came back twice and looked resilient, looked like a team that could actually go out and win the game in the second half. Like Tech had all the momentum on their side after that third quarter. They easily could have won the game if they make a couple more stops on defense. 
And I think that's a credit to the coaching staff because look, like Virginia Tech a year ago, where, you know, you're coming off of that Duke loss, even the second half against Duke, like this looked like a team that was just ready to roll over and quit. And I don't see that out of this group at all. I think the effort's there. I think they need to play better, but I think the effort is certainly there on both sides of the football. Um, there's just certainly some things, obviously, defensively, number one, that they need to clean up. And offensively, I expect it to be a much more efficient unit, especially through the air now with Hendon Hooker at quarterback moving forward. Um, play calling's always going to get nitpicked, but uh, there's no question about it. Will Herbert needs to touch the football more, but defensively, there's stuff to clean up, certainly, but I think the effort's there, and I think that should bode well the rest of the way, because look, Virginia Tech is not going to play an offense this balanced until Clemson at the end of the year. They're just not. Like, even Miami's offense, very skilled, four- and five-star guys at, at wide receiver and running back, et cetera, but they have nowhere near the balance that North Carolina has offensively. So the next time the Tech's going to face an offense like this with this kind of balance is the Clemson game. With that being said, they better figure out the tackling, especially in their secondary and in their front seven, they need to figure out the tackling because Boston College has some playmakers on offense that can make guys miss um, from a pass catching standpoint. I and mean, if you get further down the schedule, you're going to end up playing a team like Miami, which look, Cameron Harris was bottled up in that Clemson game, but he's been running all over everybody. And who's to say that he can't do exactly what North Carolina just did to Virginia Tech. So there's stuff they got to clean up defensively, but I think overall outlook on the rest of the year, I'm still confident this is a very good football team that Virginia Tech has. The offense is too good and scoring too many points for Tech not to win their fair share of games this year. But defensively, they're going to have to figure things out before they get to that Miami game, that Clemson game towards the end of the year. Well, where I'm at, though, is, and this might not be any fault of their own, Hewitt and Pollard are guys that, due to their size, are more suited for Bud Foster's system than they are for the current system that's being run. They are undersized. But seeing those guys get blown off the ball and – I mean, it, it didn't help Ray Shard and Ashby by any means that, you know, a couple seconds in and you have your own defensive lineman blowing back into the, into the backfield or into like, you know, where the backers are, that's ineffective. But 12 yards per carry, you just can't let teams run the ball like that and expect to win. That's how you put up 56 points, especially against a balanced offense. Now, I know Boston College isn't the running football team that uh, Carolina is by any means, which is weird to say, right? Because, I mean, coming off the A.J. Dillon era, that's what we expected out of them. But given that, other than the insertion of maybe Deshaun Crawford, not much is going to change on that front seven. Does this really concern you going forward? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know defensive schemes enough to sit here and, and, and tell Virginia Tech what they need to do differently in order to get their fits better, but they, they've got to plug holes. I mean, they're – even though Miami and Clemson are going to be the two most talented offenses they're going to face the rest of the year, there are still players in this conference that can give them fits if they're going to struggle as much as they struggled against Carolina. So even though Virginia Tech's defense may not be giving up 56 points for a while or, you know, God forbid, the rest of the season, but that doesn't mean that this, this defense isn't going to struggle multiple times throughout the rest of the year. Jared Hewitt has got to step up. He only had one tackle in this game. Um, Emmanuel Belmar has got to step up. Guy had three sacks against Duke, only had one tackle against uh, North Carolina. Their defensive line just has to play better. It's as simple as that. If they're not going to get off the ball, if they're not going to fit in the run game, then defensively they're going to struggle no matter who's at safety. 
So this group's got to figure some stuff out because uh, if they don't, it's going to be difficult for them. I mean, a- every game is going to be a shootout if that's the case. I mean, Boston College's offense has looked pretty decent so far this year under uh, Phil, I can't pronounce his last name, but he was transferred from Notre Dame. Mitch or something like that. We'll th- we'll talk it, about it, that it's, like, it's like Jerkovic or something. <laughs> yeah, so Wake Forest, as bad as Wake is, they can still put up points. Louisville, I don't really know what to think of them anymore. Um, and then you've got these last four games here, Miami, Pitt, Clemson, and Virginia. We saw Virginia hang tough with Clemson for a little bit, and then they absolutely laid an egg against NC State. Clemson is Clemson, Miami's Miami. Pittsburgh's not going to be a, a walk in the park either. So this defense has really got to figure some stuff out. Yeah, Ricky, Pittsburgh's been bad, though. I've actually been surprised defensively the last couple of weeks, actually, how poorly they've looked. They still can't run the ball either, which has been a little bit of a surprise. But Kenny Pickett, Ricky, much to our chagrin, been a little bit better than expected this year. Yeah, and I'm not really worried about Pitt's defense as much as I am about Kenny Pickett because I do think he's got some talent, and I do think he could pose some problems. But Virginia Tech's defense still has to figure it out either way um, because if they're going to give up 56 points to Carolina and they're going to play at a similar level for the rest of the year, then they're going to be giving up 30 points a game on average to everyone else. And if that's the case, then this offense is going to be put to the test the entire season. Yeah, I mean, offensively, the 30-point second half is about all you can ask for. And it is encouraging, right? Because Yeah, definitely. It, 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 it showed that with our guy, Hendon Hooker, who was so effective last year coming into the middle of the season, with the experience, with this great offensive line, inserting a guy who – By all accounts, if there's been anything consistent that we've seen so far from this team, it has been the offensive line and Khalil Herbert are really bleeping good. (laughs) And that's a reason to be excited. It's just in a game where you thought that the secondary might be your Achilles heel, losing because of ineffectiveness from that front seven kind of raises a new concern where you got to be like, uh oh, maybe this is something we have to be worried about because, like I said, there's not much you can do in terms of adding depth at those positions. In terms of maybe getting guys who just, there's not a ton of depth behind it, and, and, and we've seen that. But I'll be interested to see this upcoming week against a Boston College team that is throwing the ball really well. Hopefully, getting Diablo back. We now know that at that safety position. We're down another guy with Tyree Rogers not playing this season because he has to focus on academics. We are and unit can stay healthy and obviously start playing a little bit more effectively so this team can reach its full potential. Because I mean, you play a halfway decent defensive game <laughs> with the way the offense is moving the ball, you should win nine times out of ten. Unfortunately, and statistically, it's been pointed out plenty of times on Twitter. You will win nine times out of 10, more than that, like 93% when you score 45 points. But at the end of the day, they couldn't get the job done defensively against a pretty good. I think that when we talked about North Carolina, maybe being a little bit overhyped, we watched them play their best possible game there. That is what the AP voters who put them at eight after not seeing much were waiting for. And they got it. But a lot of blame falls on Virginia Tech. Yeah. And look, I don't think Virginia, I do the defense, the tech defense will get to a point where 
they're considered one of the better units in the country. Um, but even if this defense can maybe put out average production over the course of the season, it'll still give them a chance to win just about every game because I do think this offense is really good. I do think this offensive line makes a, a dramatic difference in, in how this offense can run. I mean, we haven't seen a uber-productive, uber-efficient running game from the running back position under Justin Fuente throughout his entire tenure. I mean, Carolina's a top 10 team. So when you add that element to the offense, it really opened a lot of things up. And I do think that this offense can be one of the better, one of the better offenses in the country throughout the course of the season, but you don't want to have, you don't want to force them to have to score 38 points a game in order to win. And I don't think this defense is going to struggle as much as they did against Carolina, but I'm definitely concerned about what I saw specifically from guys that have been around for a while. Guys like Dax Hollifield, Rayshard Ashby, Emmanuel Belmar. Um, these are the veterans on that tech defense and they need to play better. Yeah, no, and, and certainly so Ricky. I mean, just looking at other things, news and notes, taking other positives out of it. Brian Johnson, man. And now he, he, Machine. Yeah, Tech has been lucky with kickers over the past, I guess, decade between Joey Sly and Johnson. But, I mean, Sly is in the NFL. Brian Johnson looks better now (laughs) than Joey Sly did when he was in school. This special teams unit, you know, Brian Johnson is not going to lose you games. That 55-yard field goal was big at the time in the context of that game. Yeah, huge. And I was, I was actually shocked when they went with Brian Johnson over Jordan Stout a couple years ago, just based upon what I had heard about Stout and, and his leg. But Brian Johnson has turned into a damn good kicker, and he has added that, that long-distance element to his game, which is something we didn't see when he first got the job as the kicker. So now Virginia Tech has a reliable kicker that they can, that they can go to in these situations. They can trust to get them three points when the drive stalls. They have a pretty good punter in Oscar Bradburn. They do need to clean up the punt game a little bit. Tavion Robinson's looked a little shaky. Um, they do have weapons at kick return. We've seen that with Khalil Herbert already. So th- this special teams unit has the potential to make impact game-changing plays, um, especially with how good their specialists have been and how good the return game can be as long as they can get that punt stuff cleaned up because Tavion Robinson has looked a bit shaky back there. Yeah, I, and I was surprised to see him out there returning the only punt that Virginia Tech took. But see, what's crazy about Tavion is that as shaky as he's looked in the punt game, he's looked that much better at receiver. Um, I did not expect him to play this physically on the outside. He is not getting bullied out there. Even though he's a smaller guy, he is holding his own. And that makes a dramatic difference for this offense moving forward if they can rely on Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson to man the outside receiver positions and then start to mess around with the slot, in particular Raheem Blackshear, because we haven't seen him make an impact in that part of the of the offense really quite yet. Now, looking at Tech's receiving core, though, I think so far so good with what we've seen from James Mitchell, a touchdown in every game, 103 yards receiving on the day, his first 100-plus yard game of the year. 
I also kind of want to see more Nick Gallo in the offense. He's an intriguing player. And with Hendon Hooker, with the way that Brad Tornelson can use two tight end sets, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of Nick Gallo going forward. Yeah, I, I like when Tech uses these two tight end sets. Um, they use Gallo in almost like an H-back role. And it really seems to work. Um, Mitchell is definitely better suited, split out in the slot, split out wide or or in line. He's not a guy that you really want to fool around in the backfield with like a Dalton Keene was. But Nick Gallo can fill that role. And I think we're going to see more play action with Hendon Hooker running the show. Um and that's when you can really start to get creative with the H backs in the, in this game. And, and even Drake Dulius, who we saw in this, in this, this past game here against Carolina, if he can become a threat offensively, then all of a sudden you've got three tight ends. You wouldn't mind getting involved in the offense and tech needs all the offensive versatility they can get um, just because there are plenty of teams on their schedule that can run up the score. And this defense still has things to figure out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think looking ahead, you mentioned Raheem Blackshear. Seeing more of him out of the backfield is something that I think will really open this offense up. I mean, back in 2018, Blackshear had a 162-yard receiving game against Wisconsin. He's played, uh, I believe, his freshman year as well. They played against Boston College, and he had an effective game there as well. And so, I mean, so did Khalil Herbert, so that should be exciting. They can't seem to avoid these guys. I think we haven't seen the maximum potential of this offense, which for other teams should be kind of scary. Right. And that's why I think of all the tech games I've ever watched, I've never walked away with such mixed emotions, right? Because you're doing this all in the light of the COVID circumstances. The game was probably the most hyped up game on the schedule for the season. And you see such great offense that is so encouraging but the defense just unfortunately couldn't have been much worse of a letdown. I mean, one of the worst defensive performances in tech history. <laughs> Ricky, do you have any final thoughts here? That's one of the reasons I've been so critical of the offense since the game happened, just because the, the tech could have dropped 50 in this game easily. If they had stuck with what's worked, if they had started Hendon Hooker, in the first quarter, if they had fed Khalil Herbert the ball in the first quarter, who knows how, how productive this offense could have been. It certainly could have been more productive than it was um, without doing those things. So I'm, I'm, I'm very encouraged with the offense. They need to stick with what, stick with what works, give, give Khalil Herbert the damn ball, let him run, use Hendon Hooker in the play action game, use him in the running game a little bit, but trust him to make the proper decisions and then defensively get things cleaned up. And if they can do that, then this is a good football team that is capable of winning most of their remaining schedule. I, I think the only two games that are going to be extremely difficult for them to win that are left are Miami and Clemson. Everything else, I think Tech has at least a 50-50 chance of winning. Um, now that can change as we go throughout the rest of the season, but Tech can still have a very good year despite not beating North Carolina. And I, and I agree wholeheartedly, Ricky. And, you know, it's hard to ask for this offense to have done much more, but it, there are little things that you look at specifically at the end of the first half, third and four at the UNC 43, can't convert. And then there's a, a botched screen pass to Trey Turner. Ultimately, it uh, you know, Tech gives the ball back to North Carolina. North Carolina scores. And when your defense just 
is parting the seas every single time that UNC gets the ball, those key plays on offense, you have to execute. So I think there's, there's certainly work that can be done for this offense that if they can continue to improve and knowing that they didn't have the full camp and they haven't operated as a full unit, the sky is the limit for this group that is already statistically one of the best offenses in the country. I believe top five, this season is going to be kind of made, made or broken by if this defense can sure things up, they don't have to be great. They don't have to be a top 10 unit in the country, but they have to be formidable. We saw it against NC state when they were just absolutely stifling everything and shutting them down. We know that, you know, NC State might not have been going with their best option at quarterback, but at the end of the day, they stopped a team that we thought was bad when we watched them, but now they go ahead and they've beaten Virginia and they've beaten Pittsburgh. So that's somewhat of a quality win. We know this defense has it in them. They did not have it on Saturday. Ricky, you have any final thoughts? No, not really. Um, I'm looking forward to see what Tech can do against BC. We'll have a BC preview pod later in the week. Um, I'm really looking forward to diving deep into them because they have been kind of one of the more intriguing teams, I think, in the ACC thus far, just given the new coaching staff, the graduate transfer quarterback. um, Boston College is definitely in the middle of a a transformation, and I think it'll be a good get-right game for Virginia Tech. Um, They're still going to face a formidable challenge in this game, but I, I do think just from what I've seen thus far, I think Tech can can right the ship here. All right, folks. That's going to do it for us here at the Hokie Hangover Podcast. As always, the Hokie Hangover Podcast is brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend. This is not the end of the road for the Hokies. We've seen all across college football this season has been crazy and a lot of intriguing matchups coming up. We will review and preview every single one of them probably bring you a little bit more like we saw with luther maddie in our last episode i am andrew alex from mike mcdaniel and ricky LeBlue. we thank you wherever you may be however you may be listening for tuning in we will catch you later in the week as we preview the Hokies matchup on saturday with the boston college eagles a team who the Hokies actually haven't beaten in a couple of years so until then hang out be safe and go Hokies.